It's your radio, the future of radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Serious Business. It's mainly Lowy with her co-host, Corey Live. Hey, everyone. I'm sitting here eating a Spam burger with Dr. Pepper-flavored barbecue sauce. And Dr. Pepper, if you hear this, this is an excuse for you to sponsor us now. And our guest tonight is Linnea Lee, the author of the, the book, of Atlantis, and my understanding is that the Linnea is sitting on the other end in the south where it's warm and sunny, drinking Dr. Diet Pepper. I mean, how good does that get? Talk about having something in common. Uh, Lin- Linnea Lee has written the book, as I mentioned, of Atlantis. You can go onto our front page, right, our, profile page. our profile page, and you can purchase Linnea's book there. She also has a website, which I will be putting into the chat room, or Corey will put it into the chat room, and you can visit her website. I was there. What a nice website. It's www.laneaslair.com. That's L-A-N-A-I-A-S-L-A-I-R.com, and you can visit her website. Leave her a message that you found her at Serious Business. Linnea, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love your accent. Oh, well, thank you. I'm a southern girl. You are definitely a southern girl. Um, Not a good old girl, a southern girl. uh, Well, you know what? Is there a difference? Yeah, there is. If you're a good old girl, you're a redneck. My neck ain't red. (laughs) Okay, I gotcha. I get those jokes all the time. Right. Well, I could sit here. I could sit here and say y'all, but that's about as southern as I get. And I wish I could be from the south. I hear it's really nice down there. Never been down that way. Well, you know, Lloyd was saying, you know, it's warm down here. Yeah. It's only going to get to 32 here tonight. That's warm, eh, huh? Sure. It's 36 here in Richmond, Maine. So I'm Whoa. warm. Go mm. figure that one out, Linnea. I'm going to tell our, our um, guest our listeners a little bit about you. Um, I have uh, some information, and if there's any time you want to jump in and say anything, you just do so, okay, hon? Okay, Dad. Okay. When when Linnea was a young girl, she was nine years old, Linnea's mother died from a massive stroke, and that is such a tragedy, and I'm so sorry. I'm sure that changed your life. Yeah, Uh, it did, but it makes me me. And, and there's nothing finer than, than to be who you are and to like who you are. And uh, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, Linnea's father was rarely home, and her grandmother, and this is really cool. Everybody in my audience loves witches and so on and so forth. But Linnea's grandmother was a professed black witch, and she gained custody of Linnea. Um, Linnea is... Did you find that your grandmother was an unusual person, or how did she Oh, yes, very much so, very, very much so. You had to have known her to appreciate her. Do you think that she colored your life and and, uh, helped you become the writer that you are today? Absolutely, because before I started, you know, writing novels, I I started out writing poetry. And I could write any genre of poetry I choose, but I prefer to write dark poetry. Dark poetry is like the scary movies of the 30s and 40s. It isn't blood or gore. It's, you know, like Frankenstein, Dracula, you know. Uh huh. I write a lot of historical poetry, too. And I, when when you and I were talking, you said that you, you're uh, what you call an amateur historian, but I just really, I hate to say the word amateur because I know that so much research goes into your books, even though they are works of, um, in a sense, science fiction. Atlantis is a historical um, subject for everyone because we all kind of like to believe that it was there and that someday we're going to find Atlantis again. So. I think you are a real powerhouse historian, Linnea. Well, I Atlantis was real. My mom, being a school teacher, she introduced me to Plato's Atlantis when I was five. She introduced me to Cleopatra when I was four. I mean, so you she just la- you, she laid my foundations. It's uh, um. 
After your grandmother, you spent how many years with your grandmother? About four or five years, perhaps? From the time that I was, yeah, until I was 14, about five years. Yeah. Um, I, I admire Linnea, something that uh, I gathered while reading her bio here is that as a young person, she was just in the world of hard knocks from, from age nine, um, right up until, uh, well, she did five, she was in foster homes and um, 15, she went to boarding school and she graduated in her junior year, which says a lot for all that uh, early education that you had happening for you. At 18, she got married and divorced. By 19, she was working and she was in management. Um, she remarried at age 30. And uh, five years later, she didn't have that husband anymore. And she didn't cast a spell on him either to get rid of him. Did you? No, no, no. And then what where you know, I admire you for your ability to just keep going, as you say, you are a survivor. Uh how old were you when you suffered a massive stroke, Linnea, if you don't mind my asking? Thirty five. Thirty five years old, Linnea suffered a massive stroke. Um that put me in the wheelchair, but it no big deal. She spent um two years in intensive physical therapy. Correct was told that she would never walk again, and at this point in time, that's true. Um, she is in a wheelchair. You have to admire this young woman who just kept going. She's not uh, a person to sit on the public dole and say, okay, I'm in a wheelchair, take care of me. This woman is a powerhouse, in my opinion. And could you tell us a little bit about your husband, David? Yes, he sustained a motorcycle accident in 1984, which also put him in a wheelchair. But we uh, we both, we have our own home. We live independently. I still drive. We've got a ramp van, but, you know, that's the only, you know, thing unusual that you would see if we went out in public. And to look at me, you wouldn't even think I've had a stroke because I have no paralysis. I have lost a little bit of use of my left hand, like doing minute things like typing or being able to play the piano like I used to. Uh-huh. I can't do that anymore. But all my books, all five, are finished within three years and typed with one hand. That's pretty amazing. That's, that just shows a great deal of courage, in my opinion for what it's worth, which is probably not worth a hill of beans, but I just have to say, wow, Linnea, you and um, David are just, uh, I say, pat you on the back and hurrah. Well, my disease I have is called erratic hypertension. Okay. I don't know. it's, It's like now I'm on like three different blood pressure meds a day to keep it stable. But I'm not good with stress, and David tries to take as much stress as he can off of me because it was like three years ago my aunt passed away, the last remaining member of my family, and I took it so hard. My blood pressure went up, but it didn't cause me to have another stroke. It busted a blood vessel in my nose, and you're talking like the red Niagara Falls. (laughs) Yeah. And thank God it healed itself. I didn't have to get surgery, but well, thank God for that. But um, I just think that you know uh, the tragedies and the losses that you've suffered, and everything you've overcome. And then you've wrote—is this your first book? Yes. Yeah, your first book. And I've read, um, what probably. Not very much, but enough to know that I think this is a good read, and I'm an avid reader, as everyone who knows me knows, that I can devour a book a day, paperback, big fat ones. I do love my reading, 
and I love diversity in my reading. I, I don't just stick with one um, type. I like all different kinds. So I think I'm a pretty good judge of what's a good book and what isn't a good book. Well, and I'll, I'll, start, I'll start it on my next novel. Well, I'm, we're going to get to that. Um, would you tell us about Of Atlantis? That is the title of, of Linnea's book, is Of Atlantis. You can purchase it, I believe, from... Can we purchase it from your website? Yes, you can, and it's any online book outlet online you can think of, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. One lady I had an interview with earlier this week told me in her hometown of Books of Men, they even had a display of the book up. So, Oh, cool. I'm not going to argue. Absolutely not. Well, we have... Um, on my information, my profile page, we do have a link up directly to Amazon so that people can go there after the show or right in the middle of the show. You're just listening. And um, you can purchase Linnea's book of Atlantis. Can you give us a, an idea about what it's about and how you came to put this together? How, what, what made you interested in Atlantis? And what I've seen so far is I think it looks exciting. So take it away, Linnea. Okay. Well, as I stated, my mom introduced me to Plato's Atlantis when I was five. Well, Plato said Atlantis was created by Poseidon, which is not true. Because Poseidon is a Greek god. And Plato got the story when he was a child from a servant that was telling his father. And this servant claimed to have gotten the story from a, a priest of ancient Egypt. Now, I do not believe that ancient Egyptians, you know, worship the god Poseidon, a Greek god. Uh-huh. I think, I think that was just Plato's little salt and pepper to sell it to the Greeks. Okay. But, you know, ever since then, I've always been obsessed. It's like I've drawn to it or something. And 40 years of, you know, just my thoughts, what I would think, is really kind of what of Atlantis is all about. There's a lot of history involved, but the facts are straight. I weave the fantasy around the facts. And book one, which is out now, begins on the lost continent of Atlantis. And the book is all about my main character, Ar Archimedes. He's the last known king of Atlantis. And we follow him from childhood to coronation until he marries and have his own kids until devastation. There's one unique quality about Archimedes, though. He has this unlimited source of unimaginable power. Well, his father and advisor to him is my villain. His name is Yurik. He has the same powers. Yurik chases Archimedes through history as Archimedes takes on different identities like Imhotep of ancient Egypt or, or I made him somebody in the Third Reich wanting to kill Hitler. I touched on Nostradamus. I touched on Pakal, one of the greatest Mayan rulers of all. And Yurik chases Archimedes through history, thinking that if he can harness Archimedes' powers along with his own, he would become strong enough to become master of the universe. Wow. And, that's, that's just amazing what, what you've done here. Um, one of the things that I don't have the information, but I'm curious, uh, the land of Atlantis itself, we, needless to say, uh, your characters are what make the book alive for us, but I am curious, did you, um, your imagination when you did the land of Atlantis, is, are you quite descriptive of what the country is like, what the land is like, and how they live? Oh, yes. I mean, in my Atlantis, it was divided into five kingdoms, you know, instead of Plato's was divided into nine. Mine's five. And, you know, they have like a democracy, kind of, 
kind of like we do today. And for, for me, Atlantis is no myth. Atlantis is very, very real. You just have to know where to look. Well, I've always been fascinated with um, the thought of Atlantis and kind of wish that, you know, in my lifetime that it would be found. And I have a picture in my mind of what I think Atlantis would be like. And needless to say, when I do read your book, I will project that image uh, probably unless you give me another image of Atlantis. Well, let me see if I can try to do that. Okay, Plato described Atlantis beyond the Pillars of Hercules, which is thought to be the Straits of Gibraltar. Uh-huh. That, puts, that puts it in the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, you know, I think the Bahama Islands are remnants of what was left of Atlantis, the mountaintops. Because the Bahama Islands are so beautiful, so picturesque. And, I mean, that's what I would envision Atlantis being like, just a total utopian society. Yeah, that's, that would be pretty much the same that, that I visualize. So I think you and I, I think I think we are on the same track. There's, there's proof, Great, things think alike. There's proof, like, this, this year, 2009, as a matter of fact, they've done some underwater sonar imaging on the ocean floor right off the coast of Cuba. They found echoes underneath the ocean floor of buildings, of roads. And what makes it so amazing, the ocean floor is made up of 75% beach sand, which means that sometime in the Earth's history, it was above sea level. Also, right off the coast, of of uh, Puerto Rico, 75 miles to the north, is a trench. It's called the Puerto Rican Trench. It's 1,100 miles long and five miles below sea level. I believe that if man ever overcomes water pressure and be able to dig, they're going to find remnants. It's going to be like any other archaeological dig. You know, I don't think they'll find the entire town intact, but they'll find remnants. And look at the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. All these, all these ships and stuff that disappear. I've got one thing that bothers me about that. They all the time, you know, say, okay, methane bubbles, tsunamis, freak storms. Huh? Oh, that's all good. Yeah, that'll bring down a plane and a boat. But my only problem is, where is the debris? If you think on it in that aspect, I believe the Bermuda Triangle, I believe, is the vortex. It was Einstein himself that said, for every known reality, there's an unlimited, unlimited number of unknown realities. So I believe it's like a vortex between realities, dimensions, planes, whatever you want to say. So the, Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle and, and other areas like that have always fascinated me because I'm very into Atlantis, Mecca, um, UFOs, aliens. Well, then you will appreciate the next thing I'm about to say. Okay, do it. I believe all Atlanteans were hybrid. Well, and why not? I mean, why not? They were, they were supposedly Atlanteans were supposedly absolutely brilliant, genius, and just my concept of them was that they lived in a land of utopia where things were probably more techno- technological and. Um, more, what's the word I want, Corwin Anthony? Know. You know, they were just smarter more than we are. More advanced, more advanced. Thank you. Jeez, I just went totally blank. <laughs> I mean, duh. So did I, so. And then Corey had this blank look on his face when 
oh my God, I'm just dead air here. But, I, you know, that's my concept of Atlantis, is that they were just very much more advanced than we were, and that um, their lives, health-wise, body-wise, as you say. Absolutely. And, I mean, who is to say that the Atlanteans were not in spiritual form, you know? Well, that's... I mean, if, yeah. you, if you look around, more people are into their spirituality now than in more in the past 10 years than ever. And I think it's all because of the Mayan Day Prophecy. And that's my second book <laughs> coming out in June. And what I did was where Indiana Jones had the crystal skulls. And where 2012, the movie's going to be about the Mayan Doomsday Prophecy. I link the two together. Cool. Cool. So do you have a, a working title for your second book? Skulls of Salvation. Skulls of Salvation. Well, that sends shivers down my soul. Mm-mm-mm-mm. i got to tell you, your your husband is a riot. He's got oh, me yes. to laugh Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you ought to live with him. <laughs> oh, I have my own. Thank you. I don't think I can handle comedians. Uh, I'm supposed to ask you a question. I'm supposed to ask you, what is your nickname? I'm in a wheelchair. I sit. Sitting. I'm a Taurus. I'm a bull. Sitting bull. Sitting bull. Okay, uh-huh. cool. I, my husband my husband has some. Is your wheelchair electric or, you know, battery operated? Yeah, mine's electric, yes. Don yeah. is. So is my husband's. And when it's not in, in our van, it's um, in the cellar. Well, he, my husband has a manual and an electric. Uh-huh. And we at home, he uses a manual. Well, the only time my husband uses his is when we're out and about. He doesn't use it in the house. That's right. But, he tries uh, to make doors where there ain't doors. I mean. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Walt, my husband is Walt. He's very good with driving it. And my son, Corey, who's 16, is a whiz bang at it. If I have to take that thing out the cellar door, I'm going to tell you what. I need, I need, a, I need, you know, one of those great big double wide garage doors. I am so bad with that thing. I'm well, telling. I'll tell you what. My husband's wheelchair is a lot different from mine. I can drive mine like crazy. Forget it. I cannot drive his. Well, I'll tell you, you'd have yourself a good laugh if you watched me try and get my husband's wheelchair out of here. Watching her, and I, I have fun in the summer because sometimes she actually does dare take it out. You know, <laughs> it's half as wide as a car, but she's going to need the double wide to get it out. So There you go. That's my husband. <laughs> the door all the time. I'm terrible with that thing. And then it goes so fast, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, slow down. All I have to do is lift my hand up, right? Duh. But who knows? I'm not very good at that. So, oh, gosh. One time I was put my dog outside to use the bathroom, and before I could get him outside, he hit the control of my chair, ran over my foot, and kept slapping my foot into the the closet behind the front door. My poor foot was black and blue. Oh, I bet. Oh, jeez. Um, I had a, uh, one of my friends that... Uh, your husband says you got your license from Sears. No, me. He got, he, he he got his from Family he, Dollar. That's where I got mine. That's amazing. Is that where David got his? Yeah. Is that too cool or what? Me and real. He, same place. Ha, 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 David. Gotcha. <laughs> so anyway, ha, 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 David, what is your work habits? How do you... Um, everybody hears about writer's block and things like that. How do you structure your life so that, that you get these books written? I mean, I I think it takes us some uh, self-control to do that. Well, I try to write when my husband and my dog are asleep. <laughs> and when I'm writing, I'm in just in a total world of my own. I don't even realize I'm typing with one hand. I mean, I have to be that way to 
have written five novels in three years. For sure, for sure. Uh, do you, so, so are you a n- nighttime person? I mean, you know, we have day people no. and night people. Uh-uh, 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 not at all. I like being in bed about 11 or 12 at the latest. Yeah, so, so your, your writing time specific, not specifically, but more or less is, is, uh. Well, my dog gets me up like 4 or 5 o'clock to go out to, to potty and. Well, I get a diaper for that. <laughs> I'll stay up for a couple of hours, and that's when I try to work. Okay. So so you're actually a morning person, right? I used to be when I was managing, yes. But since my stroke, 17 years later, it's hard to break old habits, I guess, when you're up my age. Well, yes, it probably is. I, I find it uh, hard to break habits, too. But I just think, you know, um, as a writer, that's something that, you know, nobody can do it for you. No, nobody can actually do it with you. And you just have to sort of uh, gear your life so that you do it. And procrastination, I think, would be uh, a problem. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I first started out writing, I started my first book over about 25 times before I got it right the way I wanted it. And I try to write a poem a day, and right now I've got about 8,000 that I haven't used. Wow. That way I'm not, you know, totally blown away when somebody wants poetry or something like that. I can usually oblige. Yeah, I would say if you've got about 8,000, you probably can oblige, without a doubt. Uh Uh-huh. So now, um, just I'm I'm off the book, but I just want to say to everyone, I just want to say to everyone, you know, let's um, let's get Linnea's book. Are you sure there's a way out there at the door? Let's uh, I'll go after the show. We're going to get Linnea's book. Uh, you can either go uh, to my profile page and click on the button there of Atlantis, uh, Linnea's first book. And second, third, fourth, and fifth books to follow. Uh, you can go to Lin, uh, Linnea's website. It's for sale there. And you can learn a little more about her. And um, That's always kind of fun to, to know the author, to say, oh, I talked to her. Woo, that's so cool. And you can buy the books from uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, if you click my link, you're going to Amazon. If you click Linnea's link, you're going to her webpage, uh, you can go to Barnes & Noble, you can go to Borders, her book is out there, and it is going to be a good read, and you're going to be hooked, so prepare yourself, you're going to get number one, you're going to want two, three, four, and five, and you're going to be on the on the website saying, Linnea, Linnea, I'm ready for my next book, what are you doing, taking the dog out, let's get working, <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm going to release book two in June of this but- year? Yes. Oh, cool. Book three in November, December of this year, and four four and five next year. Wow. Got to have them out before 2012. Well, because when the world ends, we want to all know what we're looking forward to, right? Right, exactly. So how do you feel about uh, December, what is it, December 21st, 2012? What do you think? What do I think? Well, at first, you know, when I, you know, started doing a little bit of research about it, and and I thought it was just undermining mythology, you know, when I was writing the book. It just it was just something that interested me. But there's scientific fact that there's two things that are going to happen on that day. During... The cycle of a year, the Earth usually wobbles like a quarter percent of a wobble. Well, on December 21st, 2012, the Earth is going to do a complete wobble. That is enough to cause disaster of biblical proportion itself. But there's something else that's going to happen. It's an alignment. This alignment is the Milky Way the earth and the sun in total trajectory of each other. And that happened uh, supposedly 
scientific fact tells us that that happened thousands of years ago. And 26,000. Yeah. We shifted poles. Um, and that's what they're purporting is going to happen again. Well, look at me. One of two things, according to Mayan lore. It can mean devastation or it could mean an awakening. I, I hope it means the latter. That our brothers from wherever will say, see how big of a mess we're in and want to come help. Yeah. the world is in a mess. I think, gosh. Well, I think, you know, uh, it's, I think everybody would like to think denial, denial, denial. You have um, the Aztec calendar. You have Nostradamus. Uh, he writes in riddles, and, and I like to think that I'm pretty good at riddles, but some of them are um, really pretty darn good riddles to me. And Have you heard about his lost chapter being found? You know, I don't know if I have or not. I, there's so many. There's the lost books of the Bible and the lost books of this and that. You know, I don't know. Well, I know they just recently found the lost chapter of Nostradamus. And guess what's in it? December twenty first, two thousand twelve. Well, it's a, you know it's it's been in a lot of different things. Uh, there's that the codex, and there's reference there. Uh, they're not specific date specific like the twenty first, but it's like you know the twelfth month at the peak of this and and twenty twelve. But yeah, um, there is a lot Absolutely. of reference I mean, throughout all history. If you want to go into logistics and mythology, is gosh, from what I are, it's in the Aztec, Inca, Mayan, Navajo, Indian, yep. Chinese, Egyptian. I mean, you know, it's even in the Bible code, if you believe in that. It's in Revelation, December 21st, 2012. That's scary. It is scary. I, you know, I, um, there was a website for the Bible Code, and I, I did a lot of reading on that. And, and there's been a couple of things on TV about it that were, you know, quite explicit. And that is scary. It scares the living pants off of you, doesn't it? You know, if okay, they think the middle of our universe is the Milky Way, and the middle of our universe is also a black hole. Right. A black hole is. There's an unrealistic gravitational pull. Who is to say the pull is not going to be so strong that it pulls magma from the center of our universe into our atmosphere, thus raining fire and brimstone, thus revelation, thus I close my case? Well, that that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? But if if you look also um, Apocalypse, the signs of the times... If you look at our world in just the last 50 years, the changes, uh, weather changes, um, the technology, the changes that that has created in our world and in our lives, and morals, things, the way people are. You know, I think one of the things that really scare me to death is in North Carolina, when I was a child, we used to get snow two or three times a year. You yeah. know, I get up every morning if it, you know, be snow on the ground, turn on the TV to see if there was skull, and you know, that is not happening now. We had a we had a snowfall this year, but it only lasted like three hours. I heard about that. You guys were in a real mess. Well. Not really. The last time it really, really snowed, I remember, it was 1988 because I was pregnant. It was 87. It was December of 87. I remember that because I was working. I was pregnant. I remember. I remember. But that's a long time not to have any snowfall. I mean, mm. Well, I've been in Maine for 30 years, and when we first came here, uh, please keep in mind that I'm only, like, you know, 29, but I've been here for 30 years. And uh, when we first came back here, my husband's aunts who lived here, and these are older women who've lived here for all their lives, never lived anywhere else, had pictures 
of when my husband was a child. They had to climb out of their second-story windows to get out of the house because of the snow. When you looked out, you seen the tops of telephone poles. Well, I'm going to tell you, grateful I am grateful that I don't have to deal with that because let me tell you right now, I would not be in Maine if it snowed like that because I've been up to my ears, earlobes in it this winter. But You know, that's why I wondered why Stephen King chose Maine to live in. Because he's a Maine boy. Yeah. And Mainers always come back. He's used to always come back. If if they go away, a Maine person is definitely a Maine person. There's no place else for them, really. But Same I'm way with North Carolina. I lived in Louisiana for a while, and I came back. Well, when when we moved here, the first year that we were here, now please keep in mind, I'm a California girl. Although it's been 30 years, I was a California girl, born there, raised there. I didn't know. We had snow one time. I just thought it was a miracle, and I called it white mud. I think I was five years old, my mother said. So that that was my experience with snow, but I loved Under the Lilacs and all these books about Maine and all these pictures, snow, pure white snow, tree limbs covered in ice. And the sun shining through it. I, we're talking fairyland here. We're talking Atlantis here, you know. And so we moved to Maine, this little California girl. The first winter we were here, the high on Christmas day was 10 below zero. We had this great big, it was an oil pot burner. I know that now. I didn't know then. That, right in the middle of our dining room was this great big pot burner. I thought, oh, my God, that will burn us out of the house. It will be so hot. I sat in all of my California window clothes on top of that pot burner, and my butt still froze. And I wanted to go home. I said, oh, my God, I can't stand this. And it snowed. And I thought, oh, my God. Nobody ever told me you had to drive on it that it snowed on the roads. I know when I lived with my grandmother. Oh, it snowed on the roads? When I lived with my grandmother, we lived in this great big old two-story house. She get a hundred gallons of oil a month to heat the house. Yeah. If she would have had to bought that recently, she would have croaked anyway. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Mm. Now see, that's what I heat with is heating oil, and uh, and it's it's pretty horrendous. But thank God the oil prices went down. But as to to tell you, the snow that we've had this year alone. Every snowstorm has been a minimum of 16, 17 inches of snow. Most of it's been heavy, wet snow. And I'm going to tell you what, if the changes that are happening from back then, it was very cold that on Christmas Day, 10 below zero, but the snow was probably, you know, for the whole winter, we probably had two foot that was stayed on the ground. Right now, if you look out my windows, out in my driveway, out in the yard, I got mountains of snow still. And what is it, March 20th today? Today, the first day of spring, Corey? I believe it is. I think today's the first day of spring. And I could be out there shoveling snow, honey. Mm. Lots of it. So my, tr- my trees in my yard have started blooming. <laughs> Which is oh. bad because we're going to get down the freezing tonight, but... You like? Do you go out and garden? Do you like to work in the yard? No, I've got allergies. I can't. Oh, what a could, but I can't no more. Oh, what a bummer! I love to work in the yard, without a doubt. I I can't. I can't. You know, it's it's like creation. Like when I write, and you know, when I bring it to life, I kind of feel like what Michelangelo did when he did the Sistine Chapel. I well, would well, you know, I'm, imagine. I'm sure you do get that feeling of satisfaction. I mean, a job well Let done. Let me ask you a question. Sure. You seem to be like an ancient historian yourself. Well, that's what, what I call me most what, the pain in the What box. is the one thing that every civilization has in common? You can look around and see it. The one thing that everyone has in common... War, this war is in common. Uh, 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 uh. How about you looking for? 
Well, the one thing that every civilization has that, that is predominant in my mind at this point in time is that every, every major civilization, such as the Romans, uh, Atlantis, um, they usually stay in power for between two and three hundred years and then they fall. That's the one thing that, that's prominent. It's a building. I, that's not what you're looking for, but... It's a building. The buildings? Mm-hmm. Architecture? Uh-huh. True, we were, we're all... Every, every age of civilization has it. Yes, it, yes, we have. We have. What is it? You tell me. You put me on the spot. Because I don't know where you... Where, which there's so many things that that come to my mind. What's the first thing that pops in your head? Hen's got three sides. How about a pyramid? Okay, pyramids, things, yes. How about the mounds of the ancient Celts? And for Britain, they all have that summer, winter equinox play on light, if you think about it like that. Yep, and and then you have Easter Island. Yes, and then you've got the Nazca Lines. Now, what primitive Indians are going to, 2,000-year-old Indians are going to waste their time building lines. You can't tell what they are except from narrative yeah, do you ever wonder how they managed to do that? I was been proven how they've done it. They didn't. But, you know, I know how the lines were made. There's, you know, but how did they make them into these images if they couldn't see what they were doing? Uh, well, I guess, you know, when I think of the when I think of the um the lines that run across the earth that are 10 miles across and you have a Thunderbird, for instance. I want to know how they did that in, in those times. I want to know how they did that. They okay, are, I've got something the, else for you. All right, the Pyramid of Giza, any pyramid in Egypt. Most pyramids have hieroglyphic pictographs. Right. They're painted vividly. The workers inside the pyramids had to have a flow system. And they also had to be able to see. If they used torches, there would have been burn marks on the pyramids. It was suffocated, too. Exactly. Now, what are the burn marks? Well, here's my theory. When you, let's talk pyramids for, for just a moment. Um, I look at pyramids, and I see millions of massive stones, and then I see all these men pictured hauling these rocks on logs with ropes. Okay, sorry, that doesn't work for me. I'm not saying that Thank men you. probably couldn't do it, but that does not work for me. Me neither. Now, there's there's no way that that could, that could happen. I, I'm sorry, I just don't believe that. And I mean, the, the monoliths of Easter Island, Stonehenge, how? Stonehenge, I could almost I could almost believe that Stonehenge could happen by mankind, but not in that not in that day and age. They did not have the technology to do that. Absolutely. They had help. Where did it come from? Where did it, it came from our brothers? From outer Space. Exactly. 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 I yeah. mean, we would be a mighty arrogant race to think in the vast galaxy, however many there are, that we're the only life. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Not not in the least. There's there is no way. <laughs> David, you are a trip. You hey. make laugh. See what I gotta put up with. I, I have I have three sons and a husband, and they're they're all smart butts, and I cleaned that up. Oh if, yeah, I knows exactly what I meant. Well, because of my high blood pressure, I was never have able to have any children. I had five miscarriages of one stillborn, 
but I do got a baby. I got a, he'll be a year old, April the 1st, April Fool's Day. He's a little Cocker Spaniel. Little Cocker Spaniel. What's your baby's name? DJ for David Jr. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Two comics in the house. Absolutely. Jeez. Well, I had. How many but minutes? I think that's what makes, that's, I think that's what makes our marriage good. We can make each other laugh. My other two husbands, uh-uh, forget it. Mr. Grimm and Mr. Glum is who you got rid of, huh? Ah, grumpy and stupid. Okay, that works, too. I like Grimm and Glum, though. That was good. Two G words, Yeah, you know? that was good. That was that was good. I was I was quite creative there. Uh, Grimm was one, Glum was two. <laughs> you're, uh... They say three's a charm, so I guess that's right. We'll oh, there. well, whatever works, right? Ask her what she does to me. What in the world do you do to poor David? What do I do to you? What does she do to you, David? You tell us. David, you can talk. You can talk. You got a mouth. What? Oh, DJ, he aggravates David. That, I mean, it's like, I guess, his way of rebelling. Oh, right, you're breaking and my heart. He's so funny. He'll come in here. He's he's about 20 pounds, I'd say. He's not a big cocker spaniel. He'll come in here. He loves begging strips. Oh, well, gee. he'll get up here beating me on my leg. I can see that commercial in my mind. Wanting a begging strip. Yep. Yeah, boy. Well, we don't have any... Uh, here at home, I don't have a dog anymore. I don't have a cat anymore. I found the dog at home. I had we had adopted a uh, lab, and um, somebody was going to throw it over the bridge in a gunny sack. Oh and, no! Uh, can you believe that? And so uh, a friend of mine took that puppy, and then she couldn't keep it, so we took him. His name was Ben, and he was this cute little thing. But I have to tell you, he grew up to be. Pretty big dog. So when he was about eight months old, I found him another home because I just did not have the time to to give him what he deserved. And so I found him a home in the country with a family with children that run and play and romp. Well, I don't run, play, and romp very well anymore. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. And uh, you know, DJ, he's he's cool. He he understands the concept of the wheelchair. He stays out of the way. He knows. Because, I mean, you know, I got him when he was four weeks old. And oh, sweet. He knows. He knows. He's, he ain't done. Well, I'm going to give a plug here for a friend. It's called uh, www.scottspuppies.com. And so he has, he sells uh, teacup chihuahuas. Scott's Puppy Palace. Yeah, Scott's Puppy Palace. Put the, put the website in there. Scott's Puppy Palace, he sells... Um, Teacup Chihuahuas, Teacup Morkies, and uh, that's what I want. Yeah, me too. I and, and he well, he has a contest. He has a contest. You can enter it uh, if you want. I'll send you a link, Linnea. Please uh, do it if it's right and send it. No, wait. Well, what it is is it's tw- it costs you twenty dollars to enter. There's only fifty people allowed to enter. And he has one of those uh, robot things, online robot things that pulls the name. It's all fair and upfront. And he will, if they pull your name, he lets you choose. You have up to a year to choose which puppy you want. It may not even be born yet, the ones that you want, you know. You may not like what he has, although I'd take them all in a minute. And um, so shipping, he includes the shipping and everything because he'll ship them to you. And um, so Scott's Puppy Palace is a great place. Go visit it. Look at the the pictures of the sweet little puppies. But I want a teacup chihuahua. Oh, Corey wants a Morky. Well, just because she's been with Dr. Pepper Hands. Oh, it's a Yorkanese. Yorkanese. A Yorkanese. Oh, I bet they're so pretty. Oh, well, I'll send you the link just so you can look at these puppies. They are just I bet they're so cute. I mean... Animal animal rights, that's a biggie for me. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a firm lover of animals. We all are here in, in my house. But right now, the only thing I have is nine birds. 
and uh, I'm trying to win me a teacup chihuahua from Scott's Puppy Palace because he's got healthy puppies. They're socialized. He is. Uh, they're good people. They do a good job, and they love their animals. Oh, I, I don't know what gets me more, children or puppies. <laughs> I never thought about a dog having a distinct personality. Oh, they I do. You, you oh, know what? Yeah. Do they have dogs in Atlantis? Atlanta. Have, Atlanta? Atlantis. No, in, in, in your book. Oh, Atlantis, of course. Are there pets in your Not book? Not in Atlantis, but there is a dog in my, like, second or third book, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And the dog's name is Atlas. Appropriate, huh? like that. I like that. that Atlantis, is- Atlas, I mean, you know. Now, I can give you all five of the titles of the books. Okay, lay them on us. We would love to hear the titles so we know what to look for. The second is, you know, of Atlantis, but two, Skulls of Salvation. Of Atlantis, but three, The Chosen. Of Atlantis, of Atlantis, but four, Resurrection, Reunion, and The Ravaged. And wow. of Atlantis, but five, Labyrinth into Oblivion. Oh, I love your titles. They're intriguing. They are absolutely intriguing. Oh, and real quick, let me plug the book I'm working on now. Please do. It's called Prey of the Scavenger. The Scavenger is a serial killer that practices hoodoo. Oh, That's the the ancient African art of magic. Okay, does that take place in this day and age? Yes, in the 60s. All right. Did did you know, probably you didn't know, did you know that I am a fan of um, CSI and NCIS on TV? That is exactly why my husband told me to write about something on you. (laughs) So I made it about a serial killer. Uh, About a year ago, I saw the movie The Skeleton Key, uh and that just... Did it? You know, I've had to do a little of the paranormal motif in there. Well, we love to delve into the paranormal and um, serial killers. Um, when you think about the Ted Bundys and the Wayne, um, the uh, Jeffrey Dahmers and Wayne. John oh, Wayne. my killer makes them look like choir boys. <laughs> well, if you help me out here, who's um, Hannibal? Hannibal. He, he, in my Hannibal Lecter, Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Exactly. He looks he, like a choir. He's like a choir boy too. Well, he's. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading what David said. I mean, you know, my my, I don't write graphically. I leave it to the reader's imagination. I just, you know, you know, give a hint to what I want to say. Yeah. Oh, I heard you laughing back there, David. I bet she says what she wants to you, hon. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, um, Linnea has another interview in about six minutes. So uh, I just want to say to you, Linnea, and to David, thank you for coming, both of you. You're I've quite welcome. Th- and if you would like to have me back when my second book comes out, just let you me know my publicist know. You betcha. I'd like to have you on my show as well. It'd be cool. Well, uh, just just drop me an email. I will. I've got. Um, actually, I don't have your email. I have. Well, to, go to my website and you can contact me from there. Right, that's what I did this morning, and um, I'd like to stay in touch with you if possible. Sure thing. Sure thing. As you can see, I'm not shy. Let me plug one more book, please. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do a book about Titanic. When Titanic went down, she was carrying a mummy. I want to do the the demise through the eyes of the mummy's curse. Was it really carrying a mummy? Yes, ma'am. Well, see, I learn something new every day. I want another book. Everybody that has ever written a book about a mummy has been a male mummy. Well, female liberation is here. I'm writing a book about a female mummy. Cool. What's her name? I don't know yet. 
I just know she is going to live during Ninth Dynasty Egypt. She's going to be a high priestess of Amun-Ra, one of the main deities of ancient Egypt. She's going to die in Ninth Dynasty Egypt. She's going to roam in 31st Dynasty Egypt, the last dynasty under Cleopatra. Cool. So I've got the next four figured out, so... Well, you're going to be a busy, busy. I'll write to the day I die. It's not a job. It's a passion. And that's wonderful. And it comes through your books. It comes through your books. I am just, um, I have been thrilled to have both of you. I've enjoyed you. I know I'm going to enjoy your book. Um, stick, stay in touch. Stay in touch. Drop me an email now and then let me know how your work's going. Um, I sure do that, and I do appreciate you having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It has been fun. I enjoyed you both so much. What's your son's name, Ryan? Corey. C-O-R-Y. Corey. Bye, Corey. See you. It was great having you on. You too. And just let me know for your show, and you got it. Well, you know, I'll I'll have him drop you a line because he has a good little show, too. He's a wonderful co-host. He's the one that got me into blog talk. I'm, I'm very proud of him. He's a homeschool kid. For the last two years? The only way to go. Can you hear me? Because we had to change phones. My phone was dying. I'm still here. Good deal. And so I'm just, I'm real proud of him. And he's a, he's, he's a godsend. He's a blessing. And I hope he doesn't hear me saying that because it'll go to his head. You know how teeny. They're just you know here. how that is. Yeah. They're going to say, I want something. And hopefully if someone can give me a couple kicks, I'll get my new book out soon and hopefully my new CD out this year. I'm hoping. I'm praying. Send it to me. Maybe I'll have some connections. Who knows? Well, thank, thank you, and I will. Okay. Thank you both. Okay. Good night, Linnea. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. I want to uh, I want to take a moment, and I want to thank Linnea's publicist. Her name is Denise Casino. And you can go to www.wizardlywebdesigns.com and visit Denise Casino's website. She designs um, she designs websites. She's also a publicist for many authors. Um, and this week, this month, the month of March, for mainly Loey and Corey on Serious Business. We're calling it the Book It Month. Next week we have another author, and um, her name is Rosanna. And I wish I could tell you her last name, but off the top of my head, I just dropped all my papers everywhere, so I can't tell you her last name. But we are going to do, she's going to be talking to us about a biography. And you've all got letters in your email that tell you about it. I think it will be quite intriguing, and I hope that you will join us next week, Friday night, March 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Join us, and let's book it, baby. And then, of course, about a week from that, from that show, my show will be making its fame. And they just said 90 seconds. They interrupted me. Anyway, my my famed return will be back, I hope. It goes all as well. We've got some guests coming up on my show, the Corey Lives Radio Bedroom, coming back with some bands and some things. And I'm also working with NTL Rock Radio, which is ntlrockradio.com, with the fabulous Leopard Lady. Uh, we just interviewed Lita Ford's keyboardist last night, Michael T. Ross. So that's going well as well. So I've got a lot of stuff coming up, and this show we're going to finish up this week, the Booking It series, and that should be great. So thank you, everyone, and I'm going to send you back to Mainly Louie. In April, the first Friday in April, Rosanna, the tarot card reader, will be back. She will read your cards for you, so come in, join the chat room, call in, talk to Rosanna. She is a marvelously talented tarot card reader. She has um, a real talent. She can touch you through just you and her. Latching Minds. Uh, the next Friday, second Friday in April, we have Susan. She will be coming to join us. She's an herbalist. She is a nutritionist. 
She is brilliant, and she will be giving you hints and tips. She has a new item on her agenda that she's going to be sharing with us. It's pretty exciting if you want to lose weight. Uh, she has some wonderful hints and tips. tips. Join us for Susan on the second Friday in April, which is the 10th. On April 3rd is Roseanne, the tarot card reader. Next week we have Rosanna with um, another bucket. We invite you to please join us every Friday night, 7 p.m. This is mainly Lowy and Corey Lejeune Live. Thank you for coming. Bye. You've just listened to an IYR The Classics broadcast. Learn more about IYR The Classics at theclassics.itsyourradio.com. It's your radio, the future of radio. www.itsyourradio.com.